Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Goose Chasing, where uh, it's really not about the geese at all. So Flying V, get the fuck out. It's all about the stories that we're chasing or that we chased. Chasing, chased, either one, either one, whatever you think. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Tag and Brag and Tag and Brag Productions. We are also brought to you by T&B Apparel. We have a nice new hoodie up on the website for your viewing pleasure. Apparently, it's for your viewing pleasure because nobody wants to buy it. And if you bought it, you'd uh, realize that when you put it on, it's fucking comfortable. And when you cuddle up next to your honey, more than likely, that hoodie comes off and happy things happen. So go to tagandbrag.co for our weekly apparel. Tagging Brags, Goose Chasing is also brought to you by TNB Land Management. There is better hunting in your future. Let's build a land management plan together. In unison now, together. Actually, we just got another email this morning from a kid uh, from Wisconsin. Wants a land management consultation from you boys. Fly, fly us out. Here we come. We're going to get you a food plot that looks like Dino's background, and deer are going to be munching on it like they munch on that. Look at that. That ain't no stock photo on the internet. Nope. That ain't no gift. That's some real shit right there. That ain't no pay $9.99 for 100 stock photos on Adobe, and that's one that you get, although it should be one that you get. That is sewed and seeded by your boy. God bless. That's a good looking plot right there. I'd fucking eat that salad. Honestly, I'm looking at that right now. I'm like, man, it's hard to top that. I agree. I mean, that's about as perfect of a brassicus plot as you could ever imagine. And the well, deer, the deer were crushing. They were crushing. That's that was they, the year. That was the year that you had the encounter with Neil, prior to when you killed them and swoops, swoops, right? Yeah. And honestly, the bucks at least, but they the deer normally don't hit that plot very hard. Well, it's close to the house. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of like a tuster plot, but they were hitting that thing. There was a lot of deer in that in that plot that year. They're all up in it. Well, I mean, and when you got a when you got a lettuce patch that looks like that, how could you not want to get them loins in there and grow them a little bit? Oh man, I would, I would throw a friggin' salad dressing, maybe a couple salad dressings in my like tool belt, and just walk through that thing, sit down Indian style, and just freaking you know, dip, freaking dip, <laughs> dip, dip that leaf, baby, dip whip, that leaf, whip some dressing in like a three hundred and sixty degree circle, and just start browsing. Who's got a fucking crouton? Somebody get me a crouton. You just pop a crouton in your mouth and then just start browsing. You get a little crunch in there with you. I mean, let's be real. Can you eat salad without croutons? I can't. I mean, I got to have croutons on there. You know, I, I agree with you. Aaron uh, Aaron was over two nights ago. That's yeah. our sister. And uh, Hey, Aaron. She... Uh, she came over for dinner. She made a salad. She's like, Dean, I'm sorry. I think I, I put too many croutons in the salad. And I was like, no, no. you didn't. I'm like, I don't think that's possible, Aaron. So God bless. 
and actually, if you look at the health pyramid, what was that thing called? You know, like the pyramid of things that you're supposed to eat. I think just the food pyramid. The food pyramid. Yeah. If you look at that, the bread is on the bottom and that's what we're supposed to consume. That's what we're supposed to consume the most of. (laughs) (laughs) So like the biggest, it's the base of the pyramid. I mean, if you don't have the base, the pyramid falls. Yeah. So it's pretty much like if you don't have croutons on a salad, then you're a fucking idiot because that's the base of what you're supposed to be eating. So give me gluten, give me carbs, give me all that stuff that nobody wants. Put the bread in the salad. Give me the base. Give me the base. All good things are built on a good foundation. So if you don't start your salads off with a bunch of croutons, then you're just not doing things right. Your salad is unstable. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The lettuce is only the tip of the iceberg. That was a good start. That was a good start. Speaking of salads, I kind of have to poop. Well, and sipping it's, on and some javi. I know. I got, and my, I got mine out of the way already. But, you know, you never know well, when round two, three, four comes up. But That's what I'm saying. I got mine out of the way, too. But round two is creeping up on me pretty quick, which brings up a great point. Pooping in the woods. Ooh. What's, your, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, you got to, you know. some people love doing that i mean i'm not like i'm not like if i'm in camp i'm gonna and i gotta go i'm gonna walk outside and pick a tree but you do it i mean sometimes sometimes you gotta do it well sometimes sometimes you're like well my logistically my my travel time my flight time back to camp or wherever it is, is, is greater than my wait time. Yeah. It's going to have a, there's going to be a layover in there and the layover is going to consist of me shitting on a log. Yep. Now, let me ask you this. Are you, if you're going, if you're, if, I mean, if push comes to shove and you got to get things done, are you, are you like grabbing the tree in front of you and kind of doing like a invisible wall squat behind you or are you or are you wall squatting neck on a tree or are you finding a horizontal log and kind of burying that log in your like right behind your kneecaps and hanging your <laughs> ass over the backside <laughs> to get it done <laughs> that one sounds that sounds challenging like you could hit the log Best case scenario, there's a smaller tree right next to the horizontal log that you can grab onto, but you still got the brace behind your kneecaps and you can kind of just let everything happen on one side of the log, pull yourself up onto the other side and it all stays clean. Yeah. I mean, that's the ideal situation. That is the ideal situation. I'm just going with a uh, standard wall set. Wow. Wow. Well, you're a I mean, basketball player. You've been yeah, doing those did, your whole life. Dude, we did those like for the last 10 minutes of basketball practice. I could sit there all day. Yeah, you're you freaking get out, get out. You're you're doing a wall sit. You're on your Instagram and you're flipping through stories and you're I'm looking at tic, you're looking at TikToks and shit. I'm, That's just I'm a good actually, time. I'm actually just being a dude in that situation and I'm milking the shit out of that situation. I'm going to sit <laughs> there. I'm going to sit there and be like, "You know what? I'm I'm done." 
but I'm not done. But I'm going to hang out here for a second. Yeah. No pun intended. But, yeah, I've been there. Been there. Now, lost, lost a few. Uh, were you going to go to how you going to wipe? Well, that was, yeah, I mean, that is another great question because, like, what do you do if you didn't stash some TP in your bag? Yeah, because normally I don't have that. But. I don't normally take up room in my bag for for toilet paper. That's just not I mean, my thing. You gotta got hope. To... You gotta hope, and you gotta pray that it's a uh, it's just one of them clean one wipe Charlies, smooth criminals. Yeah, because <laughs> if you if you got one of them crayons going on, it's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> You got one of them. If you got one of them old Crayolas, <laughs> if you got one you of might, them, you old might be there for a while. Butt plug Crayolas going on, then uh, you, better you better hope you're near some switchgrass. I hope you got three pairs of socks on because you ain't getting out of there barefoot. I can tell no, you that much. No. Then you need one of those. Uh, you need one of those slanted, uh, you know, beech trees or something growing out of the bank that you can, can give- just. Hang off of him and, and bidet yourself. <laughs> if you're near, if you're near a tree, <laughs> give yourself give yourself the old banana the, be- the banana and the canoe trick. <laughs> give yourself the old beaver dam bidet. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'll put an extra sock on one of my feet just for that reason, because yeah, just, on push, one, just on one foot. Well, because I mean, then after you go, like you're balanced, you know, I don't, I don't want to be balanced. I don't want to be unbalanced after I go. You right. know, I almost want to get like, if I, I, I have that excuse then like, Hey, if you got to go, just fucking go, you know, cause then you can oh. balance yourself out. Well, yeah. And, and, and if you're, if you prolong it you're it takes away your mental focus and oh my god comfortness and then you're just it's in the back of your head and then you're just out of the game so you got to get if, that out think about think about being in a situation where you got to self-film like a shooter buck and get shit done when you got a you know turtle head poking out almost hoping you don't get an opportunity at that point because you're gonna you're you're probably gonna mess it up and you're just like oh you have no you're you sweating gotta, you're sweating you gotta, the sock is really the best is the best and most efficient wiping device when you think about it because you slip that thing on your whole hand like a glove and then you can just kind of you could credit card that ass you could <laughs> it's like a gut glove <laughs> you could yeah i mean what you got gut gloves on it's just like get in there and get dirty cuz i mean i i don't think i've ever wiped with a sock are you shitting me no you've never wiped with a sock no, I mean I no. I I've left I've left more socks in the woods than I care to admit. I'm not going to like lie. I feel like I need that sock. Well, yeah, that's why you you put an old sock on the outside of one of your feet. Or you just put the old sock in your bag so you don't have to take off your boots. Well, and they're not like you know, this isn't like a a rubber protective glove on there i mean you you credit card your own ass and <laughs> and it's going through to your finger 
Well, so then what? Not necessarily. Unless it's like a perfect smooth criminal. I mean, Jesus. Well, yeah. If you got that Crayola going, then you're definitely. I mean, you. There's no. There's no really. You got to go back oh, to camp. Yeah, you, 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 you messed yourself up. Even you if you messed a full, a full roll of TP, the Crayola is not a good sitch. No, because then you got the crusties in there. You sit for the rest of the day, and all of a sudden you start, you know, wiggling around, and you kind of gotta, you know, sit down and spread your cheeks on your. You need yeah. the beaver dam buff, the beaver dam bidet, no matter what. Oh yeah, you gotta find yourself a nice waterfall and hang your ass over the edge. That's what you gotta do. You almost need one of them beach trees that has enough give, where it like slings you back up, and then the weight <laughs> of it slings you back down. But you, it's just enough tension where your ass just plunges and then yeah whoop it's just the perfect you could skin skin the cat to wipe your ass that's what you got to (laughs) do we've done this before clearly no dude i just i mean i just a few times i just take my knife out and cut my my shorts right off you cut your shorts cut the briefs right off Oh, you got your undershorts on. Yeah, and then I'm hunting commando, which I'm fine with. <laughs> how do you get them off? I mean, most most. How do you get? How do you how do you cut them to get them off? What do you mean? You just freaking. There's two leg holes. Yeah, I know, but if you got a nice knife, dude, it buzzes right off. Are you anyway. cutting? Are you cutting? You like, almost just cut it like a like a diaper. You know, like, you know how a diaper goes on? So you just cut so like you're... four slits and that thing whoop right off. And then you can, you can make as many, you can make as many wipes as you want out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got systems. Oh my gosh. The two part system. Well, it, you guys, you will have a poll on our, I don't know. We'll have a poll on this podcast. Do you? Cut your shorts off and wipe like Dino, or do you glove your sock hand and wipe like me, credit card style? Get in that crack. I feel like the briefs, you know, the boxers are already, you know, it's in the same family. Like it's already got the uh, dirt on it. The marination is already in the product, so it's like it's supposed to be. It's dirty. Let's let's be honest. You had a turtle head poking out. That thing is dirty. That's the other other thing too. Is if it was if it was really getting messy, you never know. That turtle's got a flat forehead for sure, and part of his forehead is in your shorts. Yeah, he was head (laughs) button. He was the turtle's head button my shorts. (laughs) He left his mark. Yeah, they're already deer tag. Get rid of them. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Road tripping, you got to take a shit. You got to find, yeah. I mean, listen, I don't care if you're in a pilot, if you're in a sheets, or if you got a like a rundown fucking Exxon on the side of the freeway, that's your only option. But you go in there. Let me ask you this. Are you going, are you going bare cheeks right on the fucking bull? Or are you be- are you are or are you building the nest? No, I'm not. I'm I'm nesting it all day. Bald, oh my god! Bald eagle for life. Yeah, I build a fucking condor's nest in that thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll I want to be I want to be sitting up two to three inches. I don't want to get anywhere near that fucking nasty bull. No, that's no disgusting. Way. No way. I'll even 
drape it over the front of the toilet so that you're like the back of your legs aren't touching you know any uh, <laughs> any bowl uh, if more um, if if more people did that we'd have less accidents in the restrooms you know right i mean because some restrooms you go in and it's it's unoperable you got no you there's no chance you're right I mean, you go in there and you're like, well, <clears throat> I'm going to be shitting in the urinal or I'm not shitting anywhere because like that thing is the molehill. <laughs> you know, part of the problem I, is I just I just realized this. Is that more people are probably trying to build that nest. And then they got it and then they try to flush that nest down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And unless you got one and of those may. commercially, you know commercially um well just a commercial toilet that'll freaking suck a banana peel down it like <laughs> then it's probably gonna clog it and then that's when you get the freaking you got a beaver you dam a, you got a beaver dam and now 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 you got a beaver dam bidet but it's I mean, not a good one no it's not clean now you gotta call in reinforcements the tenants gotta come in and plunge I mean, like you gotta get one of, you gotta get one of them uh one of these commercial, commercial one. You know those commercial ones that it literally sounds like, dude. You flush that thing. And, I mean, you'll another. You, it's going into another galaxy. You 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 get your hands too close, and that thing is gone. Your arm is in that hole, boy. Oh my god, it is yeah. suck. It is sucking you to the a different galaxy. Yep. But you know what? God bless, because I I mean, those are you, the best. Yeah. Get rid of it. Probably expensive, but worth the investment for the. I mean, it saves a worker probably three, four times a day. <laughs> exactly. Elon, Elon Musk would approve of that. Get yeah. rid of the people. They like take off their rubber gloves, everything, and they just throw it in the toilet. Like, no, yeah, just flush it. It'll go down. Yeah, it's going down. It's going somewhere. I don't know where it's going, but it's going somewhere fast. <laughs> that's, for da- that's for damn sure. Oh, God. You know what? Everybody does it, man. You got to talk about pooping sometimes because everybody does it. The age all all saying girls don't poop. Well, they do poop. We all we all poop. So we got to talk about it sometimes. And if you're uncomfortable, go poop. Go (laughs) go poop. Wow. That was hilarious. Now, you know, it's going to be the 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 kicker. What you get doing one of them land consultations and you got to take a dump. Oof! Now you got to do now. They got, now you got to do your business on somebody else's turf while they're there. It's probably not happening. No, it's probably just gonna. Not if they're there. No, the old Crayola. The old Crayola is gonna have to stay in its wrapping. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would... freaking turtle is gonna be. Just head button until you blast a hole through the shorts, and you gotta yeah. you gotta deal with it. Really, it's like, hey, hey, sir, we'll have a cornfield over here, a bean field over here. We want some brassicas on this side, and uh, I don't know, maybe cut a couple of the trees down for some cover. All right, <laughs> I'll see you later. That's great. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Hinge cut, soybeans, corn. Bye. <laughs> I'll invoice you. <laughs> Burn it. Yeah, exactly. Burn it. Oh, my gosh. That's funny stuff. 
That is funny stuff right there. That was quite the tangent to start this thing off. I don't even know where to be go from there. Here. Here, there, and everywhere. Well, it's funny. We had to uh we had some major technical issues and we actually had to record re-record this podcast and I don't even remember what we started talking about last time. I know, but I wasn't this. <laughs> no, I can definitely tell you that much. It was not this. I don't know if that's a good thing, a bad thing, or somewhere in between, but <clears throat> I'm glad we clarified all that today because it feels better. I don't have to poop. I don't, I honestly, I don't, I don't have to poop as much anymore. So <laughs> talk your way right out of that one. Yeah. Or right back in it. I don't know. Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> All I can see is green lush food plot behind Dino, and I'm just like. No, I'm glad I put this as my background because honestly, this is making me. This is making me motivated to to make that look like that again. Yeah, and not just for us, for others. You know, some of it's out of your control. I know we had to have had just perfect rain that year, but. But gosh damn it, that is just about as perfectly drawn up as you could get. Freaking amazing. Freaking amazing. You know, the hardest thing with them turnips is once they get to like that size, there's either too much water always or you don't have enough feed. You don't have enough fertilizer in there. And then they start to turn yellow and purple up. Some of them are supposed to turn purple, but the they'll start turning yellow and then you just can't recover and those things look good man when they're good they're great but the deer the deer do love that shit oh they it's it makes such a difference you don't people don't understand when those things start yelling which they do a lot they're very sensitive deer are super selective feeders like they will yeah walk around and browse and they they know which piece of greenage is more nutritious tastes better just like we do when you're at the grocery store in the produce section and you see all the lettuce well if you see a little bit that's like yellow or turning brown you're not gonna pick it up no no you're gonna go to the one that looks super fresh and good and that's what deer do so if you have a whole field that looks like that or you got a half a field that it's got some yellow in it. Just doesn't look good. Like you're gonna notice the deer, just either you know not great, not browsing in that portion of it, unless there's absolutely like no other feed around. But if there's no other, you know, nothing else that they're looking for around, they'll obviously hit it. But um, they, it's not just turnip plots. They'll do that in the bean field. They'll do that in a clover field. Whatever they they pick the. Most nutritious and best uh, forage. What is the most palatable? I mean, yeah, it's just like us. If, you know, if something looks good to you, you're going to eat it. Something looks good to the deer, they're going to eat it. If they like it, they're going to keep eating it. If they don't like it, they're going to move on. They know where to find other food. They certainly do. And with their noses and everything, they can sense a lot of it is is about some of it is about what it looks like, but they can sense that uh, nutrition factor. Sense Amelia. So 
when you got a plot that looks like that, you're going to get more deer that spend longer periods of time in it. And that's the whole goal. It ain't just, it's not just putting a food plot in. I always, I've stressed this, even with our land consultations, it's got to be quality food. Yeah. You'd rather have a smaller plot of more quality food than a bigger one that just looks like ass or not yet because yeah, it's going to be, it's going to create the effectiveness of that specific plot. And one of the things that I like about the brassicas and the turnip blends so much is that, especially when it looks like that, the amount of the longevity of that food plot is amazing because them deer are eating it through end of September into October. When it's green like that, they're just destroying those leaves and stuff. And then those bulbs start coming up and once the ground freezes and if you're in an area that gets a lot of snow, whatever, um, you know, them deer start digging up them bulbs and start hammering it in, in the late season and stuff like that too. So it's, if you, if you can only plant one plot, like if you only have an area for one food plot on your property, I mean, that would probably be my go-to blend is some sort of a brassicas turnip blend because of the versatility of it. 100%. See, I mean, yes, a lot, a lot of those blends have, they may have like a clover in them too. So you'll get a little bit of that, you know, in the springtime, it might green up again a little bit. So you get a little bit more diversity in there, but yes, I would agree with you. They love, they love that greenage. They will rip that field apart. That's why most turn up brassica fields. If you look at them in, uh, in the spring, like March, when the snow thaws, it's just dirt, dirt and some bulbs around. Cause usually there's a lot of bulbs and they're not going to get to every one of them, but they will pick that green apart. And a lot of times, honestly, what they're digging for in the winter is, is also the green. If there's green in there, they're trying to eat it. Yeah. I mean, what? Cause it's just so when it's green, it's so green. It's when it's green, it's good. So green, but that's why it's important, you know, like we've talked about turnips get into a whole thing about this we're, we're going on a tangent but turnips are super sensitive to of water and uh that that's a huge factor that you can't fully control um with how much rain you get but one thing you don't want to do is be sitting there in you know october during hunting season thinking man i should have put like one more bag of fertilizer down because at the end of the day, you're you're weighing all your options at that point when you're putting the food plot in and you're trying to, you know, make it affordable, this and that. But in October, you're going to be like, oh, I wish I would have just spent an extra $40, whatever, and put it down. And last year was a little bit different because fertilizer and everything was through the roof. It's coming back down now, which is very, very good. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Joey. No, yeah. but you're right. I mean, it, when you're... When you're doing all that work, like there's no point of the process that you can really shortchange yourself. Because like you said, when you're sitting over that food plot in October, November, even into December, late season, you're going to wish that you had put in that extra effort, spent that extra dollar, put that extra bag of fertilizer out, whatever the case is to just do it fully the right way. And yeah, I mean, that's essentially when you're reaping what you sow. So 
there's I don't know. Yeah, there's just no point in shortchanging any part of the process. There, there's there's really no area where you really can shortchange any part of the process if you want a food plot to look like the one in your background. No, you can't. No, that's you said it. You said it well. You feel like you can, but you you can you can shortchange it, but you're gonna you're gonna notice it. Yeah, you're gonna notice the results. And so will, and so will the deer. Gosh damn it. And so will the deer. Well, fuck. We, uh, on the last podcast that we recorded, I don't even know how we got to the roundabout way of talking about it, but we were talking about one of our North Dakota trips. And, uh, actually it was a full, full year's worth of hunts from early season to late season that, um, we just, we had a ton of success. Dean and I both shot bucks, but it was not the best feeling um, outcome of the of the trip. And I don't even know. I, I don't. How did we get on that topic? Or how did we? What do we even start talking about? Or what? Like, how did we even make sense of that? I don't. I don't know. I, I honestly don't remember how it was brought up either. It wasn't a question someone asked, was it? I, um. We were just talking about, well, I, I don't know. Maybe we were talking about like the hunting industry and making it a career, making it your livelihood. And, you know, I think that's what it was. You know, people always say like, you guys are living the dream. And yeah, I mean, we are for sure. We, we've definitely worked extremely hard and made a lot of sacrifices to get here, but also like that that kind of comes with a price of, you know, you build a, a life of like working in the hunting industry, doing something that you love to do. Now the thing that you love to do becomes a job. You know, anytime you put money involved in it, like it, you, you know, it becomes a, a job and there's certain stresses and there's certain, I don't know, I guess negative aspects to that as well. You know, dealing with people for sure. And, trying to build relationships to create partnerships in, in the hunting industry that can provide for you so that you can do this. Um, yeah. And most people like, it's not just going out there. It's not just going out there to hunt. Like it's not just, you're just hunting every day, especially with us. We're doing this individually from a production standpoint. So there's no, there's no waking up and saying, Hey, I'm not going to bring the camera today you know and obviously right. it's not just a camera it's all the equipment that goes with it it takes it takes double the time more than that to set up when you get out there it takes more than that to tear everything down in the dark or whatever you're doing and um it's just you know you're coming home you're you footage you gotta unload footage you gotta charge stuff you gotta make sure everything's in order like it just there's so much there's so much that's involved with it that you're you're the hunting aspect of it, the actual hunting aspect of it becomes a minority part of it, honestly. No, so you're right. You're so right. I mean from a time standpoint and effort, it's actually a minority part of it. And the other stuff is is stuff that nobody sees. We we try to we try to um capture that a little a little bit yeah um but yeah some of the 
crossing T's and dots and dot and I's is not something that most people experience. Um, and it's on another level with self filming because you, you know, you don't have a cameraman or someone that's doing some of the stuff for you. So it's just, it's next level, but yeah, there's certainly days where you're like, I just want to go hunt. I don't want to, I don't want to do all this other crap, but it's also becomes an addiction and, and you might have that thought in the back of your head, but at the end of the day, you're not act like there's no part of us. That's like, maybe we won't do that today. You right. know, you might well, think it, but you're, you're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, then that's like, we've had a couple hunts that in, in my case specifically, like big deer have lived because of, because of self-filming or at least like the opportunity kind of slipped through my fingertips because of self-filming. And there's so many comments always that are like, just lose the cameraman, kill the deer. And I'm like, well, then this, like, you wouldn't be commenting on this video because it wouldn't, it wouldn't be there. And for me, like, I would rather film the deer first and, and capture or document that opportunity or that, um, that encounter, that instance, rather than shoot the deer and fill a tag for myself and then, but not be able to show how, how we got there. I mean, that's really ultimately what we're doing with tag and brag is we just document what we do and we put everything out there. So the viewer, you guys can see and decide what you like, what you don't like. Maybe you, you can pick something out from what we've done, whether it's a successful hunt or not, and take that and use that in your hunting arsenal to help you be successful. Um, so why, why are we the ones to decide whether like, it's just a successful hunt or where there's just, where there's a kill in it. And that's what we should show. Or if other people can get stuff out of our, you know, out of other hunts that we've been on, um, or that we go on and, and utilize that for themselves, or they just want to come along for the ride on our hunting journey with us. Like we just want to open that, open those doors to anyone and everything to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And yeah, going back to it. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to commit to bringing viewers along with you, you just, you got to, you got a full asset. You can't half asset. <laughs> no, no, because you never know. I'm talking about what I guess with the camera standpoint right, of it. You got right. a full. You got a full asset. I mean, there's no. There's like, yeah, you just you just can't, and it's it's something you got to fully commit to, which we do. And the day, you know, the day you don't bring the camera, or the day you're like, you know, deer's coming in, I'm freaking out. I got to make this happen. You know, I'm just going to shoot them. Yeah. Cameras, cameras off or like, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about that. The day you start doing that, it's just going to start developing like the habit of cameras now secondary instead of cameras primary, I think. Oh, so no, that's a hundred percent. So you just what, gotta stay locked in with it. Yeah. If it's truly something that you want to do, I mean, it's like anything, it's like anything in life. Like, if you want something bad enough, you can get it. You can you can achieve it. You can go do it, but you have to stay committed to it. Good, bad, or indifferent. There's going to be hiccups and there's going to be obstacles along the way, but and there has been, you know, in our in our past 
hence the the North Dakota story that we'll probably that we'll tell here. But um, you know, you just you got to be willing to to ride it out and just keep going. Keep going, and honestly, I know we can go on a tangent on this too. But even as far as like you know, hunting, deer hunting, there's so many low light opportunities, you know, and we've even gotten to the point where we've committed to like, if it don't look good on camera, don't do it. We, we pass it up. Like that does, I'm, I'm, I'm saying if you're inside the, your 30 minute before or after sunset, you know, time there's, there was, there were two or three times this year where it was like 20 minutes after sunset. And especially if it's early season, like people know if it's early season and you're in or near hardwoods, it's like, it's freaking dark. And oh, especially yeah. with the camera, like there's times where it's 10 minutes after sunset, especially if it's cloudy and you're in the woods and there's leaves on the trees. I'm like, I can't, it's dark. I can't see. I mean, no definitely a- the camera definitely can't see. So we're like, well, you gotta, it's almost like you gotta, you gotta shut it down. You could have killed Bernie in bow season twice this year, right? I, yeah, I could have killed Bernie twice in bow season. Uh yeah. In obviously, yes. And low I, light, I, and low light, low light le- conditions. Yeah, legal, legal yeah. low light scenarios. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent legal. The se- the uh, second time, uh, actually no, the first time was literally like I had four four minutes left of. Of technical legal time, but yeah. he walked. He walked eighteen yards in front of me, um, and it was, it looked so terrible at the camera. I'm like, this is, this is awful. And he, he came in so, um, he came in so quickly. Like he literally worked a scrape, and then walked right in front of the blind. And it was, it like I didn't have. It, it wasn't like I filmed him for an hour, you know, or something. And then in good light and then got a shot opportunity it was just it didn't look good and then uh the uh actually the time before that i had sock i was i almost killed cartman up in the beans and then and then bernie came out with like seven minutes left he was at 25 yards and i don't know what was going on with the uh my can I don't I literally think some some days it's just a lighting outside. You get an overcast day or whatever. Oh, for sure. Cause I was looking at my phone. I'm like, my I'm like, why is this? Why can I not see him good at all on the camera? Um but yeah, I I um I didn't shoot. I mean that's and that that's a hundred and fifty five inch deer. Like that's a that's not a yeah. I mean for for bow season, especially up in New York, like that's that's an insane pass or an insane discipline to say the lighting's not good. I mean, perfectly legal opportunity. Any hunter without a without a camera is probably taking a shot. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely taking a taking a shot. And and you just let that sucker walk. Yep. That's pretty nuts. But just having the confidence that, hey, we'll get another, you know, I'll get a shot at them. But, it's, I mean, again, that's just some of it's 
it's got to it's got to feel right. I know I overdo that. I overdo that a little bit, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it just didn't it didn't uh, didn't feel good. And on top of that, too, both scenarios were I was in a blind and filming in a blind, even with your eyes. Second angles for sure, but with your eyes, I don't know why, because it's super dark in the blind, especially when it's getting dark. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's the, you know, the camera has a tough time picking up the outside light or whatever it is, but something goes on there. And, you know, when you're in a blind, a lot of times at that, like 15 minutes before sunrise or 15 minutes after sunset, a lot of times, like your light is very, it's minimal. Yeah. Well, even from a site, even from like your actual eye standpoint yeah and it uh, honestly like from a from a production standpoint i know that's not what it's all about but telling the story is what we what we are out there to do and part of telling that story is having a second angle like inside the blind so you can see what you're doing to set up for that shot you know self-filming for sure because that tells that tells it all and it captures like it fully captures that raw emotion in the moment. And that's why I think we get so many people that say like, you know, your guys' hunts are so real and authentic and we can feel like we're there with you. But it's this, we, there's nothing that's staged ever in any of our shit. There's nothing Never. staged, like nothing. If there's something that has to be staged, we don't do it. Like we just, you know, we figure out a different way to, to show it or to you know, kind of capture that hunt, but it's all real time, real shit. So if we can't capture that portion of it, that makes it real tough for us, at least with our style to tell that story fully. Um, and so, I mean, case in point, Bernie got, uh, another couple weeks to live and spread his seed a little bit, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Great genetics, if that even matters. <laughs> but the funny thing, like how Dean was saying, he's so um, cautious. Not, I wouldn't say cautious, but Dean. Dean is the definitely the out of the two of us, the one that you know takes his time, makes sure that an opportunity or a situation is pretty much perfect before he lets that arrow go or or takes that shot and more more respect out of anything but that that makes this story even crazier a couple years back i'm not it's more than a couple years back now it's probably like six or seven years back i think was our i don't know maybe fourth maybe fifth year in north dakota and we went out we had already Dean and I had both already shot bucks out there. Actually, the year before was the year we were hunting Peter Griffin and ended up going back out in October, and we shot that really nice, massive-bodied eight-point mystery deer. And we went back out the next year, and for whatever reason, it was kind of a slower year, if I remember, Dean, because like we, there was, we were seeing a lot of deer on camera, but there wasn't anything like massive rack-wise, you know, they're just, it was just one of those years. And the one deer that we did finally hone in on, we call them Alan from, uh, the hangover. Cause he was just a fat, fat 
eight point frame, you know, kind of like a tighter, taller rack, pretty heavy, pretty heavy deer or heavy rack deer, but definitely a big, big body deer. I mean, if, if his rack was any bigger, you really wouldn't have questioned it. I think we just came accustomed over the past, the years before that of seeing, you know, bigger deer. And we were kind of so focused on that, but given that there wasn't a ton to go after that specific year, we honed in on this buck that we nicknamed Alan. And I mean, he gave us the runaround, like complete runaround. I think we had five. Well, I was, I was specifically hunting him, but I think I had five sits if I'm not mistaken and had encounters with them on four. Right. And the one was nuts. I mean, there was there was a couple encounters in velvet and we, that we had still we had never killed a velvet deer before so that was kind of like we were so focused hyper focused on that and he was holding his velvet a lot longer than some of the other deer that were that we had on camera um and i remember yeah the one hunt you were sitting there and that deer came in literally his velvet was hanging off his rack was completely bloody i mean it was something that i've never i've never seen before that's for sure and the footage is insane no it's it was it was nuts and it was unreal to be able to experience that because we we have talked about there is such a tiny window of when that happens like i mean 99 percent of the time the bucks aren't like walking around for a week with their velvet hanging off like when the, when it's coming off, they want it off. Yeah, they want it off like and, now. And he made this very apparent because we actually had, um, I remember we had trail camera photos of him that morning, I believe, and he was in full velvet. Um, and then obviously saw him in the afternoon, and he came in just blood coming down his rack i think there was some on his face velvet hanging off both sides it was crazy i was shitting my pants when i saw him coming in um and if you see the footage or see that particular hunt you'll probably be like why did that deer not get an arrow because (laughs) when i say he came three yards from my tree he was i mean he was he was destroying a branch on from your tree the, on my tree <laughs> yeah. and trying to get his velvet off, which he was succeeding at. But I'm literally filming this thing basically through my feet and he's his velvets flying off. He's like just trying to get it off. It's like he's thrashing to make a like a scrape, but it wasn't for that. It was I want my velvet off. Um Funny thing is I actually have a, there was like a big chunk of velvet that some of it he ate, but he left this big chunk of velvet on one of the branches. And when I got down that night, I grabbed it. I think we still have it just because it's cool. I'm like, you never get to see anything like this. Yeah. Um, Chew on it. I know. Don't, didn't they used to have like that antler spray or something that was supposed to like. Make your ball smaller. Make your pecker stick up or something. (laughs) I don't know so, what it was, but they had that. It was like recovery or like a damn. No, it's it. it that's exactly what it is. So, so we put it in our salad. <laughs> but anyway, that deer came straight to the tree and there was just at that time of year, there's so much 
um, foliage on the on the trees. There's so much green going on. I literally I couldn't shoot him, and he was right underneath me. I'm like, I don't like that shot. I'm not gonna shoot him right between the sh-. like. I just didn't like it. And he ended up. He worked his velvet for I don't even remember what it was in the video. It was 30 seconds to a minute. It, it felt like 10 minutes. Um, but he ended up walking literally dead away from me around like just in my blind spots on this in this tree and i didn't get a shot at him but what i realized is for several encounters this this is like a huge massive like cottonwood tree yeah huge branches next foliage yeah next to a little lake slough and it's so big it was hard it's hard to hang a tree stand in it because you can't wrap your arms around this thing but the branches come out they're so massive and you can't like trim them that you have a ton of blind spots surprisingly because it's like a single tree in the middle of i mean you can see for miles but around you there's a ton of blind spots just because of all these big branches and all the leaves on them so he literally like took a he just walked that away from me took one of these branches blind spots and oh it was at, at that point it was 10 minutes and it had gotten dark so i think the next night um the next night i saw him it was there wasn't enough light left i saw him with like five minutes left of light and but i think he ended up getting in bow range but it was it was too dark um and then uh so then he was after that and we had a couple encounters before that after that he was starting to piss me off like this deer was getting to us it was like all right we got to make this happen this is ridiculous have had this deer in my lap twice and haven't been able to shoot him well, yeah, and the bummer, like we were, we were trying so hard at that point to, to get the velvet buck opportunity. Yeah, and like, obviously, the the encounter when you ha- when he was under you and he was shedding his velvet was awesome, but it was like that was the last of that opportunity. And then you know, I mean, he's a hard horn, de- still a nice, you know, mature North Dakota deer. Not taking anything away from him for sure, but like we were we had we had shot three north dakota bucks between the two of us at that point and all of them you know were hardhorned so we really wanted to shoot something in velvet so that was kind of the bummer i guess bummer of it at that point but also like like you said he was getting under your skin so i was like all right we need to kill this damn deer yeah need to make this need to make this happen um but you also know when deer shed their velvet i mean most of the time they start switching up like they start changing what they're doing a little bit but anyway the uh the final night not or not the final night but that following night um was i mean it was such a beautiful night and uh, i started seeing deer fairly early um i had this one buck this one buck that did we already had nicknamed him? Yeah. We na- we nicknamed him Phil with Alan because once again from the hangover because he was yeah. yeah, they were always they were always hanging out and Phil was Phil was a uh, I mean, he was a two and a half or solid up and comer, eight point, little kicker, looked like he was gonna be a really nice buck in the coming years, but he was just a regular. Like if you were going into that spot, you knew you were gonna see Phil. Yeah, that's somewhere, just somewhere to Phil was Phil. Be up. And this this specific night um was in the killing tree, which Dean and I shot our first North Dakota box out of the same tree. 
And in this spot, there's very few trees in this spot, but there's a hill that's probably like a half to three quarters of a mile away where you you can get up on this hill and you overlook the whole lake slough system that's back in this area. And you really can see, you know, what the deer are doing big picture on that specific chunk of property. So the wind was not right for the spot that I had been hunting. And so what I elected to do that night was just go up on the hill and kind of scout and see if Alan was starting to change his pattern, then maybe we could make a move to one of the other like four trees on that piece of property to go hunt him. Um, if not, Dean was going to be in there and and hopefully he got his opportunity. Yeah. So the night went on and I, uh, here comes Phil. Phil was, Phil came in, he was just slowly feeding through the beans coming from the direction that the last three times Alan had come from. Like this is where, that's the direction Alan was betting. So everything wind wise, we were setting up for that direction but i had watched him for i don't know 20 minutes and um so if i'm facing you know the bean field he's coming off to my left and watched him for a while and then probably like 20 30 minutes before dark i look up towards the truck towards where i walk in from and a couple hundred yards away alan is walking around one of these lakes I don't know where he came from. I don't know where he was betting, but it was a totally different spot. And he was literally coming in my tracks from how I accessed this spot. So I'm like fumbling, trying to, you know, move, move stuff around this and that. Well, he starts working his way in and mind you, the direction he's coming from, I'm, I'm going to see him up until about, I don't know, 80 to 90 yards. And then this massive branch of this cottonwood tree blocks like 40 yards worth of beans until he comes, until it opens back up, like in a lane at like 25 yards from me. It's just a massive branch that swoops out. And I can't see like any of the beans where he's going to be walking in. Um, So he's working his way in. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to like, he's committed to coming in front of me. There's literally a 50 yard strip of beans in between these two lakes where we have this tree stand set up and he's going to walk between me like in that section. And so he disappears behind this branch and I'm getting everything ready. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to see this deer until he gets into my lane and I got to stop him and shoot him. So I put the camera on the lane and I'm, I'm just waiting. Like I'm waiting and it's feeling like it's taking forever. Cause when I saw him last, he was just kind of on a steady committed walk. Mind you, old Philly is, you know, I'm not thinking about him, but from what I remember, he was still technically behind me now, but off to my left. And I'm like squatting down. I'm looking under this branch. I'm trying to see if I can see legs walking, this and that. Like I, I'm like, where is this deer? Is he coming? What, what's happening? So finally, I like I squat down. I see a couple legs moving. I'm like, oh my god, he's coming. And I get the camera. Camera's there, recording. I literally just drew my bow. The deer steps into the lane, 
like I just was in total kill mode and I saw the rack, stopped the deer perfectly. He was like 27, whatever, almost 30 yards, put it behind the shoulder, let it go. Saw my whatever green knock disappear right behind his shoulder. I'm like, perfect shot. Smoked him. I watched him run like 40, 50 yards. He did like a somersault in the beans. Done. I was going nuts. Like, I'm like, oh my God. This whole week of Allen, all these encounters, crazy footage, shed and velvet. I'm like, we we freaking got it done. So I called. It. Yeah, we got it done. I called David. We're like, I'm like yelling in the stand. Um, we're going nuts. I'm like, we got Allen. Well, all the while I'm still, I'm on top of this hill, right? So I get, I, I get the phone call and I had seen a couple deer, you know, in the beans kind of working behind Dean and stuff like that. And I had, I had seen Phil, you know, come from the backside and come up over the hill and feed through the beans, but I never saw Alan back there. And I, I felt like I should have seen him prior to Dean getting a shot. So when Dean's calling me, I'm like, man, what's going on? Um, And I answer the phone and he's going freaking nuts. Well, I'm on the phone with Dean and I see this deer like past Dean up on this hill, kind of bounding away big. And it just, you know, when you see a, a mature deer, like even from afar, you know, right away. I mean, you know, like that's just a different animal. And it was a big deer that I saw. I mean, it, it had to be three quarters, almost a mile away that I could see him. But from the naked eye, I'm like, that's a big deer. And he was way, he like bounded way up on this hill. And then he kind of like, I could tell he looked back in Dean's direction and then he just bounded up and over the hill. But Dean's, I'm on the phone with Dean and he's like, I just shot Alan. I just, I mean, we're going freaking nuts. Like it was so euphoric because like Dean said, I mean, it was it was so much time and energy put into this deer and we'd had so many encounters with them and it finally, finally came to fruition. So I'm like all jacked up. I'm running down the hill. I'm packing up my stuff, running down the hill. I couldn't get to Dean fast enough to go recover this buck. No, we were so, we were so amped. And finally Dave gets to me. We got to go find him. He's only 40, 50 yards away. And we start walking through like waist high beans thought we immediately went to the spot where I'm like, no, he's like right here. And somehow we can't find the deer. He's like lost in the beans, which is easy to happen. When the beans are that tall, it's easy to happen, but and they're all, you know, there's no, there's, they're all leaved beans. Yeah. Yeah. They're still, yeah. They're, I mean, they're still lush green and like, but with a with a deer that size, I would have thought, you know, he would have made a hole in the beans or Yeah, he's gonna mat know. them all down and you're just gonna see an opening and then you're gonna go up and find them. But there was none of that. Well, so, and it was it was it was lower light, so we had that was kind of our, our disadvantage. Yeah. But but with how far the deer ran, like Dean was explaining to me, um we're circling this area and I'm like, What in the fuck? Like, how are we not finding this deer? To the point where we literally we went back to the to the to the where right where you shot him and got the camera out of his bag i'm like dean show me this footage like i don't like there's no way like we can see all of this right here as as we're standing right here and so we watch the footage and watch him crash like even still we didn't discover this but watch them crash and we're like damn this deer's got to be right up on like the crest of this little hill in the beans right here so we we start going 
and start kind of like combing through the beans again, just real slow. And finally, like I creep up and I could see like the ass end of this deer. And he's like tucked under these beans. And I'm like, I creep up to him and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, Dean's not by me at this point, but I'm looking at this deer and I'm like, it's Phil. <laughs> like, it's the smaller of the two eight points. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, Dean, he's right here. Dean starts walking over. I'm like, dude, you sh it's Phil. Like, you shot Phil. And he's like, I shot Phil? And I'm like... Nobody else did. I mean, <laughs> Phil's dead right here with a perfectly placed, like, double lung arrow right through his freaking... I was, I was so... My, I was so mind blown that I didn't believe it. I was like, no, I was like, no, I'm like, no, like, I almost was like, no, we got to look for Alan. Like, I don't know what happened to Phil, but we got to look for Alan. Cause I shot Alan and <laughs> I'm was, like, it was that I was that mind blown where I was like, no way I shot Phil. That didn't happen. He was coming in from this way that Alan or Phil was over here. It was not Phil. I was, was I was dumbfounded too. Cause Dean was, I could tell. And we go back to it, like how careful and just precise Dean is with his decision making, with his shot opportunities and stuff like that. I'm like, this, there's just like, imp this is impossible that this happened. Like, it's impossible. I mean, Dean wouldn't make this mistake, couldn't make this mistake. And especially, you know, in bow range, it was, it was daylight. Like, it wasn't even sunset at the point when you shot him no we were both just so dumbfounded but the reality of the situation was we were hunting alan after the fourth or fifth opportunity alan was coming in dean what he thought smoked alan <laughs> and in reality it was fucking phil and like all the while we're standing there like kind of flipping out over all of this. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, holy shit. When I was on the phone with Dean, I saw Alan run up over the hill. That was Alan. That I was know Alan. it was. I, I know it, it was a mature deer. I know that was him. It was. That was Alan because Dean shot Phil. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's funny because I've seen this happen on like TV or heard someone telling the story and I've I'll admit I've said like how in the hell do you how do you, how does that ever happen how does it ever happen but it did to me <laughs> but I mean I don't I don't really like I said there were so many blind spots and I it, when I first saw Alan it was probably a little bit more time than I'm even giving it credit for, but I totally tuned Phil out who was behind me. And I was, I must've just assumed in my head that he was back. He was back far enough where I'm like, well, he's not, he's not coming like this way or like, he's not right underneath me. I didn't even hear him or anything, but while Alan was coming in, they must've probably, they must've seen each other. They had and, to have seen each other the whole time. Yeah. Just and, because and, they're in the beans. Yeah. Like, that's why Alan was on a fairly like quick walk in your direction because he saw Phil 
yeah. up on the hill on your other side and naturally deer attract deer like they were coming towards each other. And if I remember in the footage, he d- he was locked. He what he was looking at Phil. I d- I can't remember if there were a couple other doe around. I think there was, and I I thought maybe Alan was just looking at them, but he was definitely locked on other deer. And Phil went through that. You know, he came out in front of me in that like fifty yard strip. And you can see it in the second angle. He he saw Alan and he looped around while you weren't looking, like far into that strip. Yeah, and it was enough where it was far enough where not it, not even far enough. It was in my blind spot enough where I didn't like catch him out of my peripheral. Like it was Yeah. It was mainly blind spots. And once he gets out like literally directly in front of me, I got another massive branch covering and he must have went out behind all of that and just literally did like a half moon shape and came out right in front of me and he literally cut in my whole blind spot that I couldn't see, he cut Alan off. And he got shot. <laughs> and literally took Alan's path. I'm when I rev- it still blows my mind. I'm like, this is it's literally it, it's impossible. It's impossible. And uh he did. He he cut Alan off. And that's why it was, you know, it felt like it was an eternity. I'm like, why isn't Alan? He was like on a dead committed walk i'm like he should be in this opening already and he wasn't it's probably because they met and were i don't know what they were doing but yeah phil cut him off and literally walked right in the lane and i was so locked in and kill mode and ready because you have to be when you're self-filming especially when you have that many blind spots i only had a lane that was all i had so honestly when he walks through that lane he's got so many places he could go that i may not get a shot again it that, was just like, you got to get it done right yeah, here, right okay. now. That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, I got to get done right here, right now. So I set the camera up there. Everything was ready. I'm like, I anticipate this. I'm anticipating this perfectly. And I was, I did. I was drawn and ready to roll. The camera was on it. And, <laughs> you know, most people in that situation, they're not like staring at the rack. So I had already in my head, I deed them. You know, I'm like, Alan's coming. I just need to see the deer. And I did. And I just saw enough racks where I'm like, it's Alan. And I let it rip and it was, that from, messed me up for so, I mean, it messed me up for like a year. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean I could, honestly, I, it still messes me up. I, I could, I could feel it. I mean, you want to talk about a crazy feeling when literally everything that you've like from a scenario standpoint, everything that you've worked for and put so much blood, sweat and tears and time into, to, to we're in North Dakota, 18 hours, 1,200 miles from home, like multiple encounters with this deer, finally get it done. And like from the from the filming and the shot execution standpoint, everything was done perfectly. Smoked the deer, ran like 50 yards, literally did like a somersault on camera. Like it was nuts. And I mean, it was it was so crazy because we watched the footage and albeit it was on like the small screen of the camera like we literally both watched the footage still didn't discover that it was phil and not alan and then found the deer and it was the craziest feeling ever for both of us but i felt for dean because and i'm like as i'm probably as dumbfounded as he was because i knew 
know that like if there's anybody that this won't happen to, it's my brother. Like he ain't he's not gonna make that mistake. He IDs, over IDs, everything. Like there's just there's no fucking chance that this that that happens to him. Just doesn't happen. Yeah, and I would have I would have said that won't ever happen to me. Right. You know, well, I was, but maybe that was the problem. I mean, and it, it just like <laughs> it just a crazy scenario and a crazy feeling because once again, you do everything right and you execute fully and you've got a you've got a dead deer on film. Like I said, traveled all the way to North Dakota, got it done, but it feels like you did something so wrong in a sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, internally, that is what I felt like. And again, I still got, still got Phil's rack. Like he's an, I mean, it's a nice deer. It's, not, it's a nice buck. Um, yeah. It, was it just, just wasn't, wasn't the one we were after. So it yeah. just felt so weird. Like the whole drive home was, was weird. And we made them like, we made the, when, I wouldn't say we made the most of it. It was a great, it's always a great trip. It was a great hunt. It was successful. We, cherished the hell out of it like we ate the deer like the meat you know he was he was a tender little bastard young young tender little bastard so everyone <laughs> you know dad everyone at home was like yeah this is so good and i'm like well you know it's veal pretty much <laughs> Taken, just trying to make you feel better bro <laughs> but but it was we we ate him up good and he's you know so we uh yeah the the whole harvest was cherished to the fullest but wow what a what a shocker and and i was just i was i was mind blown i remember hunting in new york like in october and just sitting in the stand and i'm like just still trying to process it i'm like what is how did that happen like it was alan i know it was alan coming in like i know it was and and oh it was it was so crazy to the point where I I questioned after that I'm like, was it Alan that I was watching coming in? You know, I'm but like, it's I mean you got the footage is there yeah. to prove it. Like, oh yeah, literally. I got I got great footage. It was Alan. I'm like, this is crazy. This is just nuts. But shit happens, and uh, it can happen to anybody. That's for damn sure. And uh, clearly, hunting's crazy. Well, yeah, and I don't know what was in the water that year or what, but um, we ended up, I didn't fill a tag on that trip, and it was the first trip that we ended up deciding to go back out late season. So the season went till January 7th that year, and uh, we had the truck packed New Year's Eve at home. New Year's Day morning, we got up and got on the road, headed to North Dakota, and all the properties that we normally hunt in North Dakota at that point in the season, um, the landowner was basically like, you know, been kind of checking things out for you guys, but there's really not many deer running around. And at that point in the year, the deer are yard up. I mean, they, they, they group up into literally groups of, I mean, dozens to, to a hundred plus heads of deer that will be running around together. And, and they're really just flocked around the food. I mean, wherever there's food, they're going to be. And so the, the properties that we normally hunt, the beans and everything were harvested and the deer were kind of, kind of vacated at that point. So the landowner out of the goodness of his heart, like contacted one of his buddies that owns some land a little bit North of where we hunt and asked them if they had any deer up there or whatever. And he got us permission on this guy's property. 
I mean, he's got thousands of acres. They manage some deer up there and stuff like that too. And and really the only stipulation that we had was the guy just wanted us to shoot an eight point or less, you know, basically a management hunt is what he wanted us to do. Um, which I mean, at that point in the year, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't care how many points it has. Like, I just want to, you know, we were just stoked to be going back up to North Dakota and enjoying the opportunity and just seeing that part of the country in a different time of year than we were, than we had ever seen before. So we go up there and we do some, we see the property a little bit, drive around. And we went in that first afternoon and it was nuts. We booted a boatload of deer out of there. I mean, a boatload going in. And we kind of knew that the landowner said like, you know, as you guys are going in a little bit late, there's probably going to be deer there. You know, he was feeding a little bit. We were sitting on the edge of this cut cornfield and I mean, we had to have booted 30 deer out of there going in. They scattered like freaking a covey of quail. It was nuts. But we got into the blind. And mind you, at this this week of the season up in North Dakota, it was negative temperatures all week. Like literally before windshield, negative temperatures. So the wind was gusting 20 to 30 miles an hour every day. I mean, with the windshield, it was negative 20 to negative 40 on a daily basis. Like you could not be in a tree. You could not be out in the elements for any extended period of time. You wouldn't have lasted. It just yeah, wouldn't have happened. Have, couldn't have had exposed skin. That's for sure. No walking in to this blind was tough, tough. Yeah, enough. It was so brutal. We're, I mean, we got, we were very fortunate and lucky to have this opportunity. We're hunting this guy's property and he's got, an elevated, you know, man-made box blind. And we had a heater in there. And so it was all fine and good. And mind you, like the box blind was pretty big and there was just, it was not for bow hunting. There was just basically one window on each wall of this blind. And it was, they were smaller windows and stuff. So like it was, yeah, it was not ideal for bow hunting. Well, the week went on. I mean, we were seeing 60 to 100 deer a night easily. It was one of the most insane, crazy experiences I've ever had in my life deer hunting because we were seeing deer in the 10s and 20s and packs of 30 of them. I mean, like from a mile away, walking in, feeding in these cut cornfields, eventually feeding all the way up you know, to, to our blind. And we, we would be surrounded the last hour before dark, our blind was absolutely surrounded. And, you know, we were seeing good bucks every night, you know, but we just, we didn't have an opportunity at that, at an eight point at a decent eight point, um, or decent four by four the whole time. And on the, the last three days of the trip, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on the weekend, um, Kane, you guys all know Kane, if you guys have been following us for any sort of time, from North Dakota, he started coming with us because he was, we were kind of getting him into bow hunting and stuff. And I mean, he had to be, I don't know, 13, 12, 13 at that point. He was young and he was full of ambition and full of, full of questions. Um, and so we would, I mean, we were sitting for hours in this blind and Kane was from window to window to window and he's deer there. There's some deer. There's deer over there. There's over there. He's over here, over there. I mean, this kid was eight up with it. And it was actually, it was actually really cool to experience because it kind of brought us back to our roots of like very much what got us into this, into this sport. Um, because he was so alive and full of energy and life, just taking all of this in. It was, it was insane. 
yeah, no, it was it was incredible. And in the moment, you're like, we need to harness this this kid, harness, yeah. <laughs> put your seatbelt in your chair. Um, but no, honestly, after even like this year, the past couple of years, taking all that we we always try to get young kids into the sport, just take people out, have fun, get someone new involved, and doing that over the last couple of years we've taken a few people out that like literally just don't maybe they just don't have the interest interest that we did or some other or someone like kane does um they don't like there's they don't talk like there's no questions there's no like excitement you just don't get any fire you know fire like like i want to consume every part of this that you do with kane like kane you get the fire and it's been a blessing it's been a blessing watching him evolve as a hunter because you like you said you see us in it like yeah we had to be be so annoying like that when we were growing up like asking all these questions yeah Yeah. i want to do this and that look at the you know like making noise and moving around and stuff but it's it's all when when you look at it you know from the big picture it's just the dude had so much fire with this sport like and it's awesome you can't teach it you can't teach that no. So the last three days we started getting in at like 10 or 1030 in the morning because by noon, one o'clock you were booting deer out regardless. Like the deer were out so early because it was so freaking cold. It was so cold. Like they literally had to lay right next to the food because they would get up every half hour or so and just consume a little bit because they needed the energy. Well, so the last three days, you know, we're spending seven, eight hours in this blind with Kane, the question master. And finally, last day, we see a boatload of deer. It was probably the coldest, probably the best like weather condition day that we had. And we were just seeing a boatload of deer all afternoon. It was it was awesome. I mean, it was it was literally unbelievable. And it was probably like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of legal shooting left and we see this buck with a group of deer coming right at us like from this little bottom area and he's coming at us i'm glassing him i'm like dean i don't you know looks like a four by four to me like we're glassing both of us are glass and mind you the deer's coming right at us so you can just see g1 you know g2 g3 taller tines and he's just you know kind of slowly making his way and Kane's yeah, glass. It's, it's starting to get dark too. So it's right. not like you have perfect no view of the deer. Yeah, it's just no. low light. There's a lot of factors involved. I mean, this deer got probably 60 or 70 yards. And we, I mean, we said it, this is a four by four. Like this is it. And at that point, you know, I had decided I was going to take the shot if the opportunity presented itself. And Dean's filming. You know, and he's kind of bopping around from window to window trying to figure out which window was most effective to film out of. Kane is going nuts. You're going to get your shot. You're going to get your buck, David. It's a four by four. You're going to get your buck. You're going to get your buck. So, you know, naturally, (laughs) I mean, we're all, this blind is just, you know, we're trying to contain it, but it is just jacked with all sorts of energy, you know. And now I'm standing up and I'm just kind of peeking at this deer as he's coming, just, just basically trying to see what his line of what his path is, is going to be. Well, he kind of banana curls like behind the blind and I lost him, and he curls in to literally like, he's going to walk right 
under this blind basically. So now I'm standing up all the while it's, it's, you know, it's low light and Dean's got, I'm, I'm going, Dean, you got enough light. He's like, yeah, you know, looks, you know, looks good. This deer comes in and I'm not even looking at his rack anymore at all. Like I'm locked in in kill mode. I see, you know, he's going to literally come right to the base of this blind. Basically I draw, get him. He he's walking in. I stop him. I mean, I mean, I'm in kill mode at this point. I shoot and I hit him right at the top of the shoulders and freaking drop him in his tracks. And as soon as he dropped, like I could see his head go. And I like saw the flash of like a G four. And like, before I even got down to the deer, I'm like, I had this pit in my stomach. I'm like, no fucking way, like no way. And so I had to put you know, I had to put another, the deer, the deer was going to die, but he was right there. I'm like, I'm going to put another arrow in him. I went down, put another arrow in him. So he didn't suffer. And literally like he's in this tall, like switchgrass stuff right under the blind. And I pull his head up and I'm like, Oh my no, like literally literal emptiness in me. He's got like a two inch G four on the one side. And he's got like a little like three quarter inch, maybe inch G four. Like he's, he's a five by five. He's a freaking 10 point. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, you want to talk about all of a sudden the same emptiness that we felt with freaking Alan and Phil comes about again. And I'm just like, they were still in the blind, you know, they're celebrating and I'm on the ground and I'm just like inside internally, I'm a mess because for us and for me, like I'm a man of my word. Like this dude made us a promise. We could hunt his property only shooting a four by four. And like, I mean, I could make all the excuses that I wanted, but at the end of the day, like I fucked up, like I went against it. And, you know, one thing that I will say, and I will like, my dad has kind of preached this to me and to us since we were very young is taking responsibility for your own actions and owning where you're at, no matter what good, bad, or indifferent in life, you've made those decisions to get to that point, whether you want to be in it or out of it, like that's on you at that point, own that. And so as much as I wanted to scream, cry, bitch, make excuses, whatever, saw two of his friggin' points off and make him a friggin' eight point. Like as much as I wanted to do all of that, like there was only one thing to do in that moment. And that was, was to call the the landowner and confess that I, I fucked up. And so that's what I did. And I, I mean, I literally called him as I was still on the ground and you know, that was probably one of the harder phone calls that I've ever had to make. Um, he was not thrilled, didn't understand how that happens with a bow in your hand. And I, I mean, I don't blame him one bit, you know, from a land management stamp. I mean, it was a great deer, great deer, you know, probably put, you know, mid one thirties, 10 point, like, especially for me at the time, like it was a great deer. And I, and that wasn't a part of it. Like it wasn't the greed of wanting to, to go home with a, a, a buck in the back. It was a damn mistake. Like it was a big mistake, but it was a mistake at the end of the day. Like it was my mistake. I had to own it with them. It was not fun. Um, and then, you know, 
Soon thereafter, I called him. I called Kane's dad and I had to confess to him too because he got us the permission to hunt this property. So I felt bad. I felt horrible. Like literally just make that, put that deer back on his feet and make him live. I don't want to like, it was just, it was a, it was crazy. It was, it was nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, in that moment, like there's nothing else to do, but confess to the mistakes that you made and, and own it. Yeah, that was a crazy one. It was, uh, I don't know. That was nuts. All the while, like those both deer, and I think we did a good job of this as well, is both deer deserve the respect or they deserved respect. You know, they deserve, it's Yeah, an they got it. Yeah. They, and and I, like, like I was saying, I think we did a good job of, of that in the grand scheme of like the actual situation that we are in, that we put both of ourselves in is we honored both of those animals and gave them you know, the respect that they deserve. Um, but you know, it still didn't take away from the fact that like, wow, that was a tough situation. And that was just hard. Like mentally, that was just hard. Like it was hard. And you could say, oh, and I would say, how does that happen? How do you mistake a 10 point for an eight point, especially in bow, you know, in bow range, especially that close bow range, and I, I would agree with you. I would say it to anybody. How do you do that? Yeah. But I did, but I did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, our problem is we were just so, in that scenario, we were so jacked up. There were so many variables, like yeah. with just being at blind forever, you know, just, yeah. Seeing so many deer. So many finally, deer. Finally, finally feeling like there was one that we could shoot because we could have shot deer every freaking every day. Yeah. We could have just. I mean, literally, you could have tagged a buck every every night. Yeah, it was just there was it was crazy. There was so much going on. Kane was a jumping bean, um, and yeah, I think it was just it was low light. Like that was the thing. It's so like when you're hunting deer, if it's if it's getting low light, like that detail is very difficult to pick out. Right, and that was like obviously we're a lot younger then but at the end of the day like we should have had the discipline to be like you know it went in doubt in that scenario went right. out like you just can't shoot right but we were just we had we were so convinced yeah it yeah, was we, just it was just crazy it was so we were so convinced but that part of it was probably some of that was emotional convincing right and well and the other is thing what it too is, is but, you know, we didn't have the trail cameras to, you know, no. and, and, the and the identity of the deer, like we're used to hunting. And that, no, I mean, was that was a major part of it too. It was like, it was pick a four, blind, pick a four by four and shoot them, you know? Exactly. So we didn't know what deer were in the area. What weren't, what, I mean, we were just seeing frigging deer in the masses yeah. every night, you know? Yeah. Normally we have them identified or they're, we have, you know, when you see the frame or whatever, you see the deer, you don't you need recognize. to, you're not right. counting points. Cause you're just like, I already know what it is. I already know right. who it is. Right. And yeah, we didn't have that. I mean, uh, yeah, t you're exactly right. We didn't have one trail camera on that property. So we didn't, we didn't know the deer this and that. We just saw the, saw the deer, saw the frame from a long way away. Thought we, I, I deed them and it was a, and we didn't, but, but that I mean, North, North Dakota gave us the runaround that year. Oh I mean, my goodness. Cause we had two tags filled 
on two nice bucks, but both of them had we just had this crazy mind blown empty feeling. Oh my gosh! Both it was of them the different times a year. Both of them were just crazy weird drives home. Yeah, I mean the weirdest, and the weirdest. just like you you loan for those scenarios for those opportunities to 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 like the success at the end of the at the end of it all holding that buck up taking pictures and like you know celebrating together and wow that was a complete change of pace and just you know i mean it part of our goose chase and part of our 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 journey honestly it's made us better hunters oh, it's 100%. made us it's made us better people Definitely. um it's it's humbled us and you know just because we're filming and doing all this shit doesn't mean that we can't make mistakes and doesn't yeah. mean that we can't that we're not human um so it's it's certainly done that for us as well but but yeah i mean i i think the moral of the story there you know especially with my scenario is you just you know something happens like that you own it i mean you own it and and you move on you know nobody died besides him in the scenario, like nobody, nobody got hurt in the scenario as a land manager and somebody <laughs> that pays attention to the, to the herd and kind of wants deer to live, to see another year. I, I felt horrible in that scenario for the landowner, because I know that was probably one of the bucks that he was looking forward to see and live another year. Um, and, and that I can't give back. I mean, we wrote a long apology, you know, tried to make it right, bought him a bunch of beer, you know, just tried to do like at least some little things to, to, to help mend the situation and help make it right. Um, but, but yeah, just wow. The fucking North Dakota experience that year was something that we'll never forget. That's for sure. <laughs> no, my gosh, to, to go out there, to fill two bucks on the wrong deer and just, yeah, that was how insane. Does, how does that happen? How does in that happen? Year, in the same year. The craziest part is we came back and we kind of rebuttaled a little bit because the next year we came back and shot that beautiful velvet 10 point on opening night. And so kind of weird. I, I shot the the wrong deer the, the year before on the last day of the season and opened up the next season shooting a deer. So I technically shot bucks on back-to-back -back days of the season legally probably the only legal way you could you could actually do that back-to-back -back days the, of open season yeah it was in the same year so last, it was i last think it day. was yeah you're right it was 2019 or yeah 28 2019 or 2018 in january 7th 2019 one of the two and then august 31st i think was that follow it was year. that it was that same year but different season kind of nuts but different year but different year same but same better better different. results because it was a deer that we actually did want to shoot and we could celebrate him a little bit better <laughs> and more <laughs> my gosh what uh do you want to talk about a goose chase we've uh we've about done it all bro we we have we don't I say, uh, I, I say that now and we'll be humbled again this year somehow some way no crazy crazy year yeah, I mean, you think, you know, to the people that are starting this and that want to get into filming their hunts or just kind of get into the hunting industry and stuff like that, it's like those are the things that you have to realize that the failures that you are going to go through are far more than the successes that you're going to have before you get there. That's that's just 
the long and short of it. And you've got to be willing to fail in order to get to the end all be all. I mean, just gotta, you, just, you know, you got to embrace them. You got to embrace that and you got to learn from it. You got to let it humble you and you move on a better person and a better hunter because of it, I guess. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is just learn and be better. Learn and be better. Mm-hmm. Or learn from us and be better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or don't do what we do. Listen to this don't and then the... listen to this and then don't do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. Well, we've uh expanded our time on this here podcast, talking about a little poopy here and a little poopy there. That's about it. That's about it. But uh, it was another great episode. I I I I've loved I've I've loved doing this so far. Just reflecting on some of these hunts, on some of these memories, goose chases, things that we don't like look back on often. But reliving it just it it motivates me even more. It inspires me to keep going and doing what we're doing, and getting more out of ourselves. And uh, yeah, I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this. So far, we we definitely appreciate everybody listening and tuning in and all the comments and stuff like that. This has been very, very fun. Very fun. Can't, uh, yeah, just, it's going to be a podcast journey and we're looking forward to continuing the road on it. I agree with you, bro. I agree with you. I keep looking in the background of my nice green, beautiful food plot and then I look outside and it's snowing like a biatch. Oh my gosh, I don't. Northeast Ohio, this is funny. Like four days ago, they call for four to six inches of snow. We get one. The last 24 hours, they call for no snow. We've gotten about eight inches. Oh, my God. It hasn't stopped snowing. <laughs> it's insane. It hasn't stopped snowing in 24 hours. They, they like The driveway is getting plowed. Like the, We have so much snow. That is insane. Gosh damn it. So right when you get in right when you get into uh shed hunting mode, it's like nope. You ain't doing it right now. Bro. Sit your ass down. Do something else. Listen to some goose chasing. That's right. Well, y'all, it's been one hell of a time. We appreciate y'all listening. And uh hopefully you have a fantastic rest of your week. Um go out and uh chase something. That's what I would say. Do go something. Chase you love. Some. Climb V. Go chase something. Go do what you love. We appreciate y'all listening in. We will see you right back here next Wednesday on your favorite podcast in next episode of Goose Chasing. God bless y'all. See you later.